Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Power Forgiveness Podcast. My name is Dwayne Staten, and I want to thank you for tuning in for another episode. This podcast is meant to help those toward the path of forgiveness, for the ones who have been hurt, heartbroken, forever changed by something that was said or done to them, which changed their mindset, the course of their relationships, their future, and even their life in general. With this podcast, I speak about the lessons I've learned from forgiveness, and I give it to you, the audience. Today, I have very two special guests with me, Bobby and Cheryl Love. Now, if you are familiar with their names, or even if they're not, on Instagram, there's an account called Humans of New York, and it told the story of Bobby Love, who was caught between the FBI and the NYPD at his Brooklyn apartment with his shocked wife. Now, this is what had happened. He was behind bars and was in jail, and he found his way to break out of prison. He jumped off the back of a prison bus in North Carolina as it was transporting him to do road work, escaped on a foot to a bus station, fled to New York, and reinvented himself. Became a family man, had kids, and it wasn't until decades later that the law enforcement caught up to him. And I have him and his wife to tell their story about love, forgiveness. And when I tell you this story is powerful, it is powerful. And it was nothing short of God's grace and favor that brought them back together. And it was a powerful story. For all new and current listeners, please do us a favor and give us a five-star written review on iTunes. It helps the podcast get more reach. We appreciate you. And now, without further ado, here's the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Power Forgiveness Podcast. And my name is Dwayne Staten, and I have two very special guests with me. Uh, Bobby and Cheryl Love, say hello. Hello, hello, how you doing? Hi. <laughs> now, I told this to them, and I'm going to tell this to the audience. I've been praying to get them on this podcast, like seriously been praying, because if you don't know, uh, their story was told on Instagram on Humans of New York. And when I tell you the story was just amazing, it was nothing short of nothing short of amazing. You know, on like Bobby on the run, made a new life for himself. And then years, decades later, it catches up to him, the past catches up to him. And to hear the story of redemption, especially in their book, which is called The Redemption of Bobby Love, a story of faith, family, and justice, which I highly recommend everyone to get. Get a copy for yourself, for your family, get eight copies each for everybody. <laughs> but in this book, it details everything. And when I tell you I devoured this book in two days, that's exactly what happened. Um, Bobby, Cheryl, just thank you for just coming on. I can't say thank you enough because y'all are just amazing people. Y'all are just, y'all are just thank amazing. Thank you for having us. No problem. <laughs> Let me see. So mm -hmm. as just a light question, light question. What is your favorite meal to cook and why? Me. My wife. <laughs> well, my favorite meal to cook. <laughs> I love to cook collard greens. Oh. Um, <laughs> that's like my favorite thing to cook because my kids all love my collard greens and um, they're healthy and they're good for you. So we love to cook collard greens. <laughs> I have a couple, you know, I worked as a cook up in the Bronx for yep. uh, nine years or so. So uh, I like to fry fish. And I love pancakes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Man, oh my gosh. Let me ask, what type of fish you like to cook? All types or specific ones? Well, I, I like whiteies, but uh, here lately I've been eating some catfish. Man. So, uh, yeah, I've been <laughs> dogging that. <laughs> oh Very my good. goodness. My dad, he fried so much whitefish, croaker. Mm catfish oh, okay. swai fish like he yeah. introduced me to so much and i said dad are you sure you weren't a chef before you <laughs> met my mother i'm not too sure <laughs> but he introduced me to so much so as soon as you said and collard greens <laughs> you love collard greens oh my gosh i love oh collards. yeah All oh right. my goodness for me my favorite my favorite mm -hmm. meal to cook 
Honestly, I'm a I'm a go with fried chicken, man. Uh, I'm just good old just <laughs> good golden old fried, chicken. fried chicken. All right. And um, I'm gonna say steaks and turkey burgers. Those are my those. That's my jam. <laughs> All right. That's my jam. Like, oh gosh, dang! I want some now. Later, Uh-oh. I'll get it later. <laughs> but <laughs> we're getting hungry now. It is, but um. Oh my gosh. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a foodie. Like I love food. Like a lot of people, when I eat food and I love it, they look at me like the way you eat, you're eating, like you haven't eaten in eight days. I'm like, no, I just haven't eaten in eight minutes. It's a big difference. But um, I, I honestly, I can talk about food all day, but I want to get, I want to get to the focal, the focal point, the focus, which is on y'all. And again, Instagram just told a piece of the entire story and I just want to give y'all the time to shine and tell tell us tell us tell us your forgiveness story please because we need to hear it okay well my wife would have to start with the forgiveness and uh, I just looked at myself and and asked God to forgive me for all the things that had happened during this Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, my strong, my walk with God got even stronger. Mm-hmm. And uh, when my wife told me that she forgave me and that uh, we was going to stay together and work this, work it through. My children, they were very uh, glad that we did that also stayed together. Didn't break up the family or didn't leave each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think they probably want to hear about how it all started when you were down in um, North Carolina yeah, in the Jim Crow South, right? Well, so. back then, um, I was coming up as a young young kid and didn't have too many opportunities to do too many things, you know? Yeah. Uh, when the concert came to town, you know, man, I wanted to go. So I go to a concert one night and um, I uh, got upset because the performer, Sam Cooke. Yep. Yeah, decided to walk off the stage. He warned everybody now, but he decided to walk off the stage. And um, I mean, people paid their money, you know, and I'm, I'm, I don't have a job, but, you know, I make my little money and stuff like that. And I was upset. And that's Man, I wanted to see this, yeah, of course. I wanted to see this show and I wanted to see him, you know, perform and everything like that. He was big, you know. Of course. And he would uh, walk off the stage and I shouted that, uh, you know, uh, obscenity. Yeah. And uh, cops grabbed me. So that was the start of my uh, my downfall and my uh, prison troubles. troubles. Yeah. Man, I I was reading that in your book, and I'm not even gonna lie. Sam Cook was Sam Cook was a big artist, and I'd be upset. Because <laughs> I'm like, dude, I paid my money. I'm not part, right. I'm not part of them fools. That's like they right. messing up. I'm, I'm calm in the back, <laughs> but I get that. I yeah. I get that, and I would be upset too. So, and then honestly, they just grab you. Yes, they grabbed me, and uh, they told they drove drove me home and wrote me a ticket. But you know, I'm not familiar with this procedure at that time, so yeah. uh, I just totally ignored it. Yeah, and, uh, they they came to my school, and they took me out of school, and. Uh, came home with me and they waited for my mother to come home. And my mother said, you know, she was totally upset. My mother said that, you know, there was times my mother would say things like, I don't have time to go to that school. If I don't work, I don't get paid back then. So all those things were very, you know, it's a hardship on my mother, you know, to take off work, you know, eight of us, you know, and four of us were still in the house at that time. Plus my, my, one of my sisters, she already had a son, you know, so my mother's taking care of everybody. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. I was reading in your book um, all of the hardships that was happening. Um, mm-hmm. And then to see what, what was happening, like, as you said, you started, that was one, that started like, for, for lack of a better term, like the snowball effect of things happening. Yes. So, the question, so the question I have here is like, 
going, what was going through your mind at that time? It was like, it was just like one thing after another. What was going through your mind at that point? Well, I, it, um, it just, you know, you say snowball. Okay. I, um, I just looked around and said that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that in terms of cutting grass. I had a lawnmower and I was uh, also caddying. I would go to a golf course and, uh, but that money came small and not enough to me. So I started doing other things. There was times I would, um, you know, go, people would leave their pocketbook in the car, you know, around one of the college campuses that I used to go around. And also there was times I would uh, steal from different people in the neighborhood. I would see them, uh, their checks coming in the mail or something like that, you know? And it was easy to cash checks back then, you know? So um, that was my, that was my hustle, mm. you know? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't much security as it is today. Oh no, not at all. Oh my gosh. So talk about, um, talk about the incident that led you to being, being arrested arrested and going to jail. Talk about that one for us. Okay, I was in school and I went into the band room mm -hmm. whereas the band was outside on the practice field. They were practicing for the you know, high school game that was gonna be played that, that weekend. So uh, they would go out and you know, they would march on the, on the field where they was gonna practice. And uh, we had a stadium where they was gonna play. So. In the band room, you know, guys would hang their clothes and other people would hang their, you know, things up and, you know, had the lockers and, you know, they, they, they felt like they could trust the next person, things like that. You know, some of the girls had a small purse and stuff like that. So one day I went in there and uh, I, you know, I scored, you know, I got about $80, $90 or so from different people, $10 here, $5 there, $10, you know. And uh, then I came back the next day. That's when uh, they had a policeman and the policeman jumped out of the closet. And uh, as I was about to go out of the door, he would uh, tell me to halt, you're under arrest. And uh, I just stopped there and froze. And um, he would um, walk me back to the office, the principal's office, and he would tell me, you know, tell them what happened and everything like that. And then they drove me home that uh, that evening. Told my mother what I was being arrested for and stuff like that. You know, they didn't take me at that time. They just brought me back to my mother's house and uh, they said that my probation officer. I already had a probation officer, so he would be contacting me. So when he contacted me that next week, he said, uh, "Listen, I want to take." know they called me buddy so you know, I'm gonna take buddy to uh, one of these detentions so they took me to the detention because they felt at this time they couldn't trust me you know so they took me to the detention and uh, then I got the news that they were gonna uh, send me away to the, to the training school okay. mm -mm -mm. yeah I'm not gonna lie like that would have both scared me and hurt me at um you know what i mean because to take the first do like the first do it with my mom's there and then just sent me away like that oh my gosh i can't imagine what was going through your head on that at that point i can't. oh it was it was a eye-opening experience and once I got there, you know, it was fights, a lot of fighting. Mm -hmm. Because when you come into those places like that, you know, I'm coming in there by myself. And, um, you know, I, I look, I look, I was a lot shorter. I mean, I was a lot smaller, you know. So guys look at me and at that time, they thought, you know, hey, man, I can make him this or I can make him that, you know. So I had a lot of fights. You yeah, know? of course. Yeah. So uh, you, you got to protect yourself and. You know, if you don't protect yourself, next thing you know, you'll be washing somebody's drawers somewhere, you know? Man, what? <laughs> nah. 
like no i get no. that it's like people, it's like people want to try you yes mm-hmm. yes they do and they yes, want to test do. you and like yes. like you say it's like oh he's short he ain't nothing i was like surprise <laughs> so I, I i yeah i get that and in your book because i'm not gonna lie this ticked me off the guards was messing the guards was was messing with you Thank yeah, you. yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna lie. That took me. I, 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 I put myself in your shoes at, like, when you when you were there, and I, yeah. and I honestly, the guy was like, "Yeah, he said that." I didn't say that. Yes, he did. Sir, yeah. I wasn't even <laughs> near you. I'm so right, right, right. I'm not, so please talk about that situation because the they they that took me off. Not even gonna lie, yeah. that took me off, man. Mm-hmm. Well, we would. I was working in the kitchen, so they wake us up around five thirty or so. But we got to be in the kitchen by six. So I'm getting dressed and ready to go to the kitchen, you know. So this captain, he walks across the yard. He was the only black captain that worked in the kitchen, and he does the early morning. You know, he does uh, breakfast and lunch. So he's walking across the yard. Somebody yelled at him and called him a punk ass kozak, you know, mm-hmm. real loud. And um, I mean, everybody heard it, you know? And when I get to the kitchen, he said something to me and said, yeah, you the one. And at that time, I didn't know what he was talking about, but he went to the Lieutenant that was on that day and he told the Lieutenant he was writing me up. So after we finished breakfast, the Lieutenant came and got me and told me, Mr. Kozart wrote you up. I said, for what? And he told me about walking across the yard and saying that, you know, I called him a punk ass nigga, you know, a punk ass something. I forget mm-hmm. what it was, you know, but I didn't call him anything. And I told him, you know, but uh, the punishment was to take me out of the kitchen now. And I go on the road to um, pick up trash and garbage on the road and, you know, maybe work in the garbage or the place where they bring the trucks in and, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, clean up the oil on the pavement and stuff like that. So when I first went out there, man, it was kind of warm. But as it started to get cold, uh, I thought about, hey, man, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not cut for this. This is, yeah. this is not my calling. I get right. that. Yes. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. Correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. You loved the kitchen. And you were like the oh, whiz yeah. in there. Right, right. And, right. yeah. I really, um, you know, on Sundays, we would fry chicken, you know. And, uh I would take some of the, um, we had the, the the soup base, the regular soup base, and I would season the chicken with the regular soup base. I wasn't supposed to do that, but I did, you know? And um, we would fry chicken, man. We would, you know, fry uh, the, the, link, the wing and the breast and stuff like that. And um, actually we would feed some of the people that came to visit their relatives also. Oh, wow. you know, they could come and eat, yeah, you know? That's real, that's real and dope. they enjoyed it. They really enjoyed it, yeah. You know, <laughs> we would uh, we would make potato salad also, and uh, I started putting stuff in the potato salad. <laughs> you know, that I wasn't supposed to either. You know, like it's just like it. celery. You know, celery and and um, you know, you know, it was potato celery, and then I would sneak around and try to boil some eggs. You know, and got busted doing that. He didn't do nothing about it, but he said, "No, you can't do that." You know, one of the captains told me that. You know. So, but I would try to put some, you know, ingredients in there to make it even uh, the flavor good, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what my dad does. He he experiments. He would do right. so much. <laughs> he would do so much. Like he was the first one to introduce me to garlic butter. I oh, never man. knew what that was. He said, "Dwayne, okay. I'm making some steaks and garlic butter." I said, "Who would okay. put garlic oh, yeah. and okay. butter together?" Oh, okay. And I just said, "You know what, Dad? It's gonna be nasty, but because I love you, I'm gonna try it anyway." <laughs> When I first tried the steaks with garlic butter, I tore uh, right, it right. down. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I get it. Oh I my gosh. It. And now yes. anytime my dad say, Dwayne, I'm experimenting, you want some? Yes, my plate yes. is here. Put it on here. <laughs> you only want a little bit? No, I want everything that you made. Right. Just put right. on this one plate. But that, oh my gosh. But I get that. Now mm-hmm. that moving you from the kitchen to um picking up trash that sets you up for the big escape right yes it did yes so talk to us about that because that i'm not going to talk to us about that (laughs) okay as um 
you know, I went out there, I think it was like late September or late, maybe late August. So I'm out there and it's warm at that time, right. you know. So as it get as it's getting colder in October, they gave me a jacket. So I'm looking around and I'm, you know, I'm always thinking, you know, I'm thinking, you know, what's I'm I'm like, I'm I'm not liking this, but I'm dealing with it. I even went to my counselor. I had a lady for my counselor, and she told me, she said in six months she would try to get me off the road if if nothing else happens, that I would um, you know, be straight and she would really vouch for me to 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 move to another job, you know, because she knew I was better than, you know, working on the road. You know, I yeah. worked in the canteen, I worked in the kitchen, you know, I worked up there in the um in the administration office. So all my jobs were better jobs than, you know, out here on the road, you know, and I didn't definitely didn't want to be out there, you know. And also she had told me that she was going to let me, uh, she was going to try to get me to go to this micro program that was over in Durham. You know, that's where you learn how to counsel people and you uh, have therapy sessions and stuff like that. You talk yeah, yeah, about yeah. your crimes and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So all of this right here was, uh, you know, to come, you know, if I just kept my nose clean for the next six months. But uh, as it got cold out there, you know, I'm like, man, I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling this. So after they gave me the coat, I put the coat in a bag. I had a big Kroger bag, you know? So I put it in this bag and I walked out the gate with it. The man that was on the gate, the guard, called my name as usual and I went through the gate, got on the bus. Nobody stopped me to see what the coat was about, okay? This was my issued coat from them. Okay? Yeah. So that set me up to let me know I can do this with my own coat. I can walk through this gate, get on that bus. I'm going to sit near the back and I'm going to go out that back door at the appropriate time when he's making the turn, not going as fast. And he's turning to get on the main street as he's going to the garage where he normally takes us. So November came. My birthday had passed and Actually, it was my nephew's birthday. It was November 8th. I'll never forget that. I got on the bus that morning. I had the coat under my arm. The same guard that was normally there on the gate. He was a regular on the gate. He didn't stop me. He called my name, and I got on the bus. When I went to the back of the bus, and I sit down, we went down this long street. We was about to turn onto the main highway where more traffic was picking up. I jumped off the back of the bus, ran in the woods, took the clothes off that I had on top of my personal clothes, and I left them there. I had a, like a little slide shoes and stuff I put on. They were like sneakers, no slippers. And I had my coat and I put it on and I was gone out the other side of the, of the wooded area. Hmm. <laughs> I was sitting there reading the reading that part and I was just like the plan that it took and the guts to do it. Yes. I was like, I literally just like this. I was like, he ain't do that. He ain't do well, that. If you, oh, he if did you, it. You understand? He did it. This guard that was driving the bus, he was the only one on the bus. Right. So I knew for a fact that. He would not stop this bus with the other inmates on the bus to go after one inmate, me. Those guys probably would say, hey, I'm gone too. Yeah. You know? But um, that's, that's you know, that was the way things were at that time. But now I found out that they bring you in on the back of the bus and they have a guard, two guards, and one of them has a shotgun now. And they have a fence in between the inmates and the, the where the guys sit on the bus. And then they lock the back door of the bus, you know, when you uh get on the bus now for trans trans, you know, when they transfer in inmates and stuff. They've made some big changes. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna like I said, I read it. But now hearing it, I'm still just like in awe. <laughs> I won't even lie. Won't <laughs> even lie. So we fast forward to 
you left and you made a brand new life for yourself, brand new identity, brand new person. You just brand new. Yes. And then you meet Miss Cheryl. Oh, yes. Talk about talk about that. You meeting her. Okay. I was working out in a, this hospital nursing home in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And uh, I came there in 83. I think it was around December that I came there. And when I came there, Cheryl wasn't there at that time. So I was an all-around kitchen help. I mean, I washed pots, I cleaned the dish machine, I mopped the floor, all those kind of things. Um, I was I was lucky because God, God forbid, one of the guys, one of the cooks, he lost his life in a car accident. So there was a job open. And so knowing the experience, having the experience that I had in the, you know, down south in jail, I didn't tell him that, but I did apply for the job and I was the one that got the job. Two other guys applied also. So Cheryl comes back in the new year in uh, 1984. Mm -hmm. And uh, I see her and I'm like, okay, she's nice, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, slowly, slowly we would have uh, conversations. We would be sitting at the table because between um, lunch and uh, the dinner meal, you know, we had, um, we had about an hour or so. Right. you know, to do other right. things, you know, and, and we would sit in the dining room. I worked as a dietary aide, so I would come in at like four to eight, and he would already be there, and Bobby would be singing loud songs, singing songs and things from Motown and stuff, and I'm like, who is that, that guy? He's so loud, but, you know, checking him out, too, from the side of my eye, and um, <laughs> <laughs> so we started talking, we would talk, and he was just, a, he was really really a nice guy you know we would sit down at the lunch table we have lunch and he'd be making everybody laugh and you know he just had good vibes so we started liking each other you know and that's how it started well the first time I uh, asked Cheryl out she said no <laughs> she tells you the story about us going out the first time that we went to see Gladys Knight and the Pips yeah. Yeah. but I tell the story that we went to see Purple Rain, Prince, okay? I'm not sure, I remember that. She remembers something else, you know? But anyway, we would get it together and um, I started going over her house and, you know, hanging out and we would leave work together and stuff like that, you know? And slowly, you know, I had an apartment up in Harlem, you know, she would come up there and visit me also, you know? That's, that's <laughs> lovely. Sorry. No, that's beautiful. That's beautiful, man. It is. And it's always funny how couples have different stories of their first date or how they met. It's always funny how that works. Mm -hmm. um, now, I want to fast forward a little bit. As you two, you two got married. Yes. Yay. Y'all yeah. got married. <laughs> um, had wonderful, had beautiful children together. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then you get that fateful knock on your door. Mm. Talk about that moment. Okay. So that morning, um, I got up. I usually get up early to, for work and fix me a nice hot cup of tea. And that's what I was doing. My One of my sons had just left for school. And I usually have prayer with my kids before they leave out. So I had prayer with Je uh, Jordan. And um, then I went on and had my cup of tea. So I'm fixing the tea and everything. And there's this loud knock at the door. So it woke Bobby up too, because both of us said, you know, who is it? And- I thought it was our name for our name. Right. And we was like, this is 2A. They said, we want 2A. So I went and I opened the door. And when I opened the door, oh my, it was the NYPD, yeah. um, FBI, guns drawn, coming in and they're like stand back ma'am stand back you don't know who this man is yeah and i'm like what yeah, and the yeah. guy is pushing me back you know not really pushing me like not like that but just like back don't go near him go back and so i'm looking at bobby i'm looking around like what's going on bobby what is this and bobby's not looking at me bobby's not saying anything he's not doing it just his head is down and i'm looking at him like what is going on my kids are um up in the front now because the guys had asked Bobby um were there any guns in the house right and um like I couldn't get near him 
So I didn't really hear what they were saying to him, but it turns out what they were saying, what they were asking him, what was his name? Mm -hmm. And go ahead, honey, what did they say? They asked me, what was, what's your name? And first I said, Bobby Love. He said, no, your real name. And I said, Walter Miller. And um, I knew this was, you know, the gig was up. And he, he would say that uh, you had a long run. Yeah. You know? And then he said something like, um, we're going to arrest you to, um, we're going to take you down. And, you know, they was, um, they started to tell me a little bit about how they had kind of set on me from uh, December into January. Mm. And I'm like, what? You know? And they told me more about that as we were going to Center Street, that they started getting calls from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and that um, this person was persistent, this person who was calling, and they're telling them, you know, who I am and the name that I'm using like that. And so it was because of the $2,000 reward. So the FBI told them, we got to make sure that this person that you're talking about is the actual person, okay? So once they were satisfied that they, you know, had the right person, it was January the 22nd, and they started getting calls the day after Christmas, which was December 26th. And uh, it took that long for them to, you know, be uh, assured that I was who they were saying I was. So um, they, you know, they were very nice guys when they was taking me to um, the Bellevue, then I to uh, One Center Street. So at Bellevue, I mean, they brought me some food because I took my medicine, some of my medicine, it uh, gave me hyperglycemic if I don't put some uh, sugar in my body. Yeah. So um, I would uh, sit there and, you know, they was telling me, but in the car ride, they said, you know, man, we didn't, we wasn't looking for you. We had no idea that you was doing what you were doing. And we had no idea of, I mean, we, we watch you. We watch you go to the grocery store. We watch you walk down the block. We watch you with your kids, you know? And uh, one of them said, man, you, you can write a book. <laughs> <laughs> you can write a book, man, you know? And he said, this is a fascinating story. You know, and that was just off the cuff that he said that. But I had started writing a book when myself, when we got married, I was writing in pieces, not the whole story of what, of my life, but I was writing stuff. And of course I told Cheryl not to bother this stuff or try to read it, but she went and read it anyway. <laughs> so I remember her asking me about, I had, <laughs> I had wrote about Stevie Wonder, and the part that I had wrote was about the uh, Living for the City, that song, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I said, hey, hey, I'm getting on that bus. <laughs> and she couldn't make out like, what or understand what I was writing there, you know? But um, yeah, I had started writing that book way I was back. like, Bobby, what in the world? What is this? <laughs> I said, that don't make no sense. That sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like Stevie Wonder's song. What are you talking about? You writing stuff. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would probably do the same thing. Like, what is happening? What is that? Exactly. So, what I was trying to do was, I was trying to deter her from bothering it and reading it when I wasn't home, you know? <laughs> so, that's what I was trying to do. But she she read it anyway. She I read, would read it. it. Yeah. But I didn't understand. I had no idea it was <laughs> what it was, what right. he was writing. And right. um, I was going to say on that day when they had came in like that, they um, also said to my other son before they left out, they said to him, they said, you know, your dad, he's a good guy. He said, you continue to do the right thing and go to school and things like that. They were saying things like that. And so they also, they one of the guys I told you had pushed me back and yeah. he was saying you can't go near no stay away 
like that. But then I just kind of like ignored him because Bobby was diabetic and I know he needed something to eat. So the way they had him, I said, he has to have something to eat. So he's a diabetic. And I gave him, I would have chocolate chip cookies at that time. Mm-hmm. I was going to take these cookies, Bobby, just eat. And the man is trying to hold me back, but I'm still, I'm trying not to, I'm just ignoring him and giving him the cookies, you know. And so they did let him have those cookies. Mm-hmm. And they, and I said, and it's cold out. He needs his jacket on. He needs his coat on. And so they let me give him his coat and everything. And I really, I didn't know why he was getting arrested or whatever, but it was just really chaotic that morning. And so when they took him, I said, um, Bobby just said to me, I said, Bobby, what is this? Did you kill somebody? What's going on? He said, Sure, no. He said, it's nothing like that. He said, this happened before you. This was before the kids. And, you know, all the time I had been married to Bobby, I kind of knew he was hiding something from me. I just felt like he was hiding something, but I didn't know what. And my friends, my girlfriends, they would say, girl, you're putting too much into it. Bobby works two and three jobs. Bobby's, and I said, you know, you're right. Let me just, uh, I'm, I'm thinking too much. So, but there would be times and there would be some things that I thought were a little off. Like he didn't like, to, he didn't, pictures, he didn't want to take pictures. Yeah. You know, he really didn't like to take pictures, but he did. If I said, come on, hon, come just take these pictures. You never want to take them. He would go ahead and do it. Yeah. But he really didn't like taking pictures. And that kind of like used to make me be like, well, why wouldn't he? And sometimes we would, you know, be talking and things and he would just shut down. I'm like, what's going on? Well, why are you shutting down? What's what's the matter? Why? And he said, it's nothing. But I knew it was something, you know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's the spirit was telling you something's here. Amen. Something's Amen. there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And. I read the book and I'm mm-hmm. I'm sitting there just like it's like honestly for some reason with 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 women mm-hmm. they know you know mm-hmm. what I mean it's not a bad thing it's just like something's not right here I don't know mm-hmm. what it is mm-hmm. but something ain't right because my wife calls me they on this like <laughs> Dwayne what's wrong I'm good right. uh-huh. no nah, there's something happening I'm like no I'm good just like no <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna let it go and then five minutes later what's going on I'm like all right it's uh-huh. like they know, they, they know and look I love and appreciate it that I'm gonna mm-hmm. say I'm gonna say it right now I love and appreciate because my mom is the same way but mm-hmm. I love and appreciate it so we're going to fast forward a little bit to mm-hmm. you know your uh you're in jail locked up mm-hmm. and I know that you went to visit him you went to visit him Mm-hmm. So when he tells you, mm-hmm. um, when he tells you his backstory about him escaping, yeah, what goes through your mind? What goes through your mind, like hearing this story, just absorbing it all? Just like, what? what? You did what? And then I'm thinking about myself. I said, I would have been so scared. And then the kids, we all talk and they said, mommy, daddy's he, he's so brave. He's like, brave. I said, really he really is and I said who does that who does that and I was just thinking to myself because I'm move scary movies that's it for me I'm like what happened what happened but I mean Bobby (laughs) but Bobby is like he I can't believe he did that I mean and I should have known because even when we I mean we were going vacations and everything and I've not our first vacation, but maybe the second or third one, we had took, went to Florida to Disney World. And um, Bobby, the car, we was in the car and the car got messed up. It broke down. And so I was like to myself, oh man, well, I guess we just going on back home, you know? And he said, no, we're not. We're going to Disney World. He, we got on a bus and we went to Disney World. <laughs> He's, he was that kind of guy. Like if he told me something, he meant it. We were going to do, we were going to do it. So, you know, people would say, how did you stay with him? Why did you do that? I said, because at that time I said, I knew Bobby and what Bobby was doing for me and how he made me feel. And I didn't know those things like Walter, Walter Curtis was doing, or I didn't even know anything about Walter Curtis, you know, at the time. But, um, 
Like I said, I knew it was something. I even said to Bobby, you know, is, do you have another family somewhere? What, what is, he said, no, it's Cheryl, no, nothing like that. Nothing like that, you know, but like I would have this recurring dream with this rope coming out of his mouth. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I was like, this man has something to tell me, but he's just, he won't say it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so talk so Mm -hmm. thank god you got out Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. because i'm not gonna lie that probably broke me Mm -hmm. i mean and in there you know you were in there god was god protected you god bless you you. and i when i read that i was just sitting there just like you remind me of um joseph Mm-hmm. You remind me of Joseph because again, he had great purpose in him. He did, right. but he had to go through All that right. trial of being locked up in prison. He had to. Yes. And then when he came out, he was willing. He he his gift that he gave made him the number made him the number two man. Mm-hmm. With you, you had it was the same situation. You went to the trial of going to jail, getting locked up, but now that you got out, your gift your story is ble- is going to bl- is blessing so many people yes yes so is. i can see that i can see that with i can see that with you you know what i mean and i'm definitely grateful for that mm-hmm. i want um can you talk talk through about for, forgiving talk about how the forgiveness came in when you got out or even when he was in prison talk about uh the forgiveness process okay once i got over the the crying yeah i, di- I did a lot of crying of course my wife came to see me at Rikers Island with my daughter, Jessica. So I tried to tell them everything about what had happened and how it happened from back in 1977. Um, so um, I would talk about and tell them everything I could. And then they was asking me questions also. Uh, Cheryl wasn't as, you know, one time she asked me, well, how many times did you go to jail? <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I said, how many times did you escape? <laughs> so, I thought it was one. Oh, man. So, telling her all these stories, you know, sometimes when she would ask me something, I would have to stop myself and, um, you know, just tell her and, and give her a, a relaxed feeling of, Cheryl, it happened way back when, and, you know, I'm committed to never getting in any type of trouble again. You know, yeah. I committed myself to that when I was out there by myself. I never knew you. And I made sure that when I went places, if there was trouble about the start, I was going the other way. Yeah. And I, had li- I had lived by this this whole time, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, I reassured her that this was still going to be the way I was going to be, you know, yeah. and, you know, the children and, and her, and I told her anything that goes wrong in anything, it's on me. You know, I take the blame for anything. Just like when we went down to Florida, we was going to Florida and the car broke down. Now I got the car tuned up. I'm thinking yeah. the car is good. Come to find out the guy didn't change my belts. So when he didn't change my belts, one of my belts snapped, you know, <laughs> But, you know, she said, we're going home. I said, no, we're going to Florida. We're going to Disney World, you know? So this was all coming back and we was thinking about all the good times that we had and stuff like that. And, um, you know, just like my bishop preaches, all of our good times way outweigh our bad times. Yes, it does. You know? So our um, our life was, you know, it was it was hectic for you know, a minute, and then everything kind of straightened out and started to go smooth again. And that was because the truth yes. had come to light and we had to, we just had to embrace it. Yes. We had to deal with it. It's a, We're in a marriage and we're committed. And I wanted him to know that I supported him, that I'm with you because I didn't know how Bobby was feeling. I, I was thinking like, it was overwhelming for me. So I didn't know if he had suicidal thoughts. I didn't know. And I was praying the whole time, you know, but 
you know, God, I just say, God, guide me, show me what to do, show me what to say. And we would just pray with each other, talk with each other, really express how we felt about things, you know, and it, it just made everything better. It yeah. made it all better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as it says in John uh, 8, 32, the truth shall set, you shall know the truth and the truth yes. shall set yes. you free. You free. Yes, and I'm going to tell you right now like that. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that dream you had about the rope just coming oh, out, wow. you know what I mean? Mm. And now, like, when you pull it out, now that it's out, there's no rope, there's no, there's nothing holding there's you no back rope. now. There's nothing holding him back. Nothing. He can be his true, authentic self, yes. you know? I had a couple of dreams Praise while God. I was in um, Spruce Pines myself. Yeah, yeah. And um, they wouldn't let me have my cane in Spruce Pines. So going to the dining room, it was like, quite a bit, quite a ways from where my cell was. Yeah. So after I got some money, I stopped going to the dining room a lot, you know? So when I found out what they would have, sometimes I would go, sometimes I'll just say, I would buy me something from the canteen. But also I had a dream about God holding my feet, you know, Mm -hmm. because I have neuropathy in my feet, you know? And I prayed for my back to stop bothering me, you know, and, uh, and my feet. And sure enough, I had a dream with God holding my feet and God behind my back, okay? It didn't really kill the, the neurophophy is still there, but it's not as bad as it was, Mm -hmm. okay? My back, it feels a lot better, okay? And since I've been home, I've had some other bouts with health issues and God has taken care of all of that. Okay, so I know that God did all this for me. You know, I told those guys at Spruce Pines, I'm going home. So they said, what, they told you going home? I said, I'm going home. And I wouldn't say nothing else. And sure enough, I got a parole date in October. I was in, it was June. I got a parole date in October. The lawyer said to me, he said, don't get your hopes up because no one makes it the first time when they go in front of the parole board. He said, but you can't be there anyway. So I wrote him back and I told him, you know, keep your negative thoughts to yourself. If you don't have anything positive to tell me, don't tell me anything, okay? Sure enough, went up for parole October the 27th, okay? Two weeks before Thanksgiving, November, the guy called me over to the gym and said, you made parole. They just contacted me to let me know you made parole. Mm-hmm. And the story just moves out the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Right there. Speak those things yes. that aren't as though they yes. are. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? And then the favor of God was on you. Yes, he oh, yes. was. You know I mean, yes, they, honestly, I could just, honestly, it's just like now you can look back and just say, Ooh. nobody <laughs> gets the first time. Do you not know who God, my God is? <laughs> I mean, if you right. didn't, I mean, I could tell you about them, but if you yes, right. did know, <laughs> right. I mean, yes. I'm just, you know, but that's <laughs> nothing short of, yes, that's nothing short of amazing. Yes. Nothing short of amazing. You're so right. You're so right. And I want to ask, I want to ask this question here. Mm-hmm. What does forgiveness mean to you? Oh, it, it, it means a, a multitude of things that, um, I can, I can, you know, I'm, I'm free, you know, and, um, I, I read about and heard about other guys still talking about the story in itself, you know, that humans of New York, man, you know, when they put this out here, man, you know, that guy, man, he made it sound like, you know, he was, you know, I don't know, messed up, you know? those kind of things, you know, but I wasn't, and uh, I haven't been, you know, forgiveness is, is, oh man, it was a big gorilla on my back, and yeah. uh, that gorilla is off my back, man, and I have forgiven everything that that I can forgive, and, and, and just going on with my life, you know, yeah. my two sons, they were in 11th grade, so I got home uh, early enough to go to their graduation and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So now I see some of the people that's there at the um, at the uh, school, you know, and they greeted me the same way and treated me just as, you know, 
you know, hey, you'd had some some problems way back, but hey, you're here today and God has, you know, done so much for you, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what uh, the Reverend told me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, the principal there, you know, it, it's, 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 it's so great. It's so great. Yeah. yeah. I pray for forgiveness every night and God has uh, shown me that um, he loves my you. life is going to be all right. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. What is what do you wish you learned earlier when it came to forgiveness? Oh, I guess I, I wish I could have learned to deal with things better. See, I guess when when I was going to school and when the segre segregation started, mm -hmm. and it 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 there was times that I didn't like things. Okay. I can remember being at a water fountain and they had a white and they had a black, you know, yeah. color. Yeah. So I dipped over to the white. And this kid, <laughs> this kid hit me, you know, and I started to hit him back, but I didn't, you know. In a sense, I was wrong because, you know, my mother always told me, you know, you don't do that. You don't go over there and you stay over here, you know. And uh, we used to stand up in the, in the cafeterias and, you know, eat hot dogs and stuff like that while we watched the white people sit down. And one of the things is like, they pay the same price. Why we can't sit down, you know, and they can, you know. So back then, you know, that kind of got me in a, in a, in a feeling of, it, it, it made me, I guess, made me kind of upset with white people. Okay, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna say I hated them, but yet and still, we did have fights when we was in school also, you know? So I would, um, I just had bad feelings for a while, for a long time, as I kind of maneuvered myself through life, yeah. you know, and other bad experiences I had with jail and, you know, so after getting over that and learning a little bit more about life, you know, because a lot of times, you know, being that the young, the young man that I was, you know, the first thing I do was fight. You know? Yeah. There was no reasoning, you know? Yeah. You, you, you fight first and then you might talk about it later, you know? Mm. So that's, that's how I, you know, did things. Got it. And what do you wish to impart to the people listening? Well, I hope they'll take away that. Um, I think God is, you know, God is everywhere. Yes, in, He in, is. In in my life. Yes, He okay? is. And um, you know, God has shown me that if you are a believer, if you believe in Him, that anything, anything, and everything is possible. You know, you can pray, you can pray, you can pray. But if you're not a believer, you know, I don't think it's going to matter. I can remember one of the kids when I was at Spruce Pines telling me he was mad with God. And I said to him, I said, why are you mad with God? Because he hasn't answered none of my prayers. And, you know, I haven't been praying to him. I stopped praying. I said, that's on you. That's not God. That's your problem. You know, so. You know, I, I just looked at how <clears throat> the scriptures are mm -hmm. and how God, you know, tells you things in the scripture that you read it, understand it, and you live by that. You know, don't vary yeah. from it. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I listen to the evangelists on TV, like Creflo, like T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen, you know. And I find that their teachings are very instrumental in the way I live, what I do and what I don't do. My bishop always say, there's things that I can do, but I don't wanna do. There's places I could go, but I don't wanna go. Not that I don't wanna go, I mean, that, that yeah, I, uh, can't go. I can go. I don't want to go. Things you yeah, used yeah. to do, you don't want to do them no more. Yeah, you know? that it's, it's so, funny how that falls away, don't it? <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I mean, it's. It, like, oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. I just remember just like 
I would love to go to parties. And now when I got saved, I'm just like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do this no more. I'm just right. going to, right. I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Um, I want to say thank y'all for coming on and just being honest and just open with your story. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, I want to give you the floor to promote anything that y'all have, social media, the book y'all have, whatever it is, the floor is yours, please. The floor is yours. Okay. Um, I just want to promote the book and tell people it's a great read yeah. that, um, you know, we yeah. took this, this time in our life to write it, to let people know our story, to let people know about God and us and how God can do all these things that he does for you, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it's it's just a fulfilling time for, for me and my wife, you yes. know? And We're that, so happy with our life. And that you have to forgive. You have to forgive so that you can move on. Yes. It's so important. You don't want to be bitter. And that's what we talked about. We do not want bitterness in our marriage. You have to communicate. You have mm-hmm. to listen to the other one. You have mm-hmm. to be kind to one another. You know, it's all important. All of that's so important. And just know that I hope that when people read our book, well, first get the book and read the book, but that they can draw hope from it. Yes. And um, know that there's always a brighter, better way. Always. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's, uh, it's therapeutic. <clears throat> yes. It's therapeutic also. Trust yes. God. Uh, trust God and, and and believe that you can do what you want to do and get to the hikes that you want to get to mm-hmm. uh, and, and do the things, you know, that, that, that will please you. I believe that. I agree wholeheartedly. And again, the name of the book, The Redemption of Bobby Love, A Story of Faith, Family, and Justice. And I'm going to put the link to get the book in the show notes. And I'm telling you right now, I devoured this book. I'm telling you right now, get into it. <laughs> because y'all are devoured too oh my gosh again just thank thank y'all for doing this i appreciate it thank you you're welcome thank you for having us thank you for oh yes thank you for having us we're so grateful (laughs) did i not tell you that was an amazing story did i not tell you that was an amazing story oh my gosh thank you god for bringing them to this podcast that was oh that was amazing I want to thank the loves, Bobby and Cheryl, for coming on and sharing your testimony and your story and just being open and vulnerable with us. We appreciate you so much. Again, for all new and current listeners, please do us a favor and drop us a five-star written review on iTunes to help the podcast get more reach. We appreciate you. I know that there are times where we don't have the strength to forgive those who have hurt us, to do what it takes in this episode, and more. We can only do these things with the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins to be forgiven in the past, present, and future. And he rose from the grave to give us eternal life, a relationship with God himself, power over sin, and power over the enemy. If you want Jesus Christ in your life, just pray this. Dear Lord, thank you for dying for my sins and my wrongdoings in the past, present, and future. I confess and believe that you died on the cross for my sins and was buried and rose again. I give my life to you, Lord. Please come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, I want to say welcome to the family. This is the best decision you could ever make in your life. Now that you have made this decision, get in a good Bible teaching church who preaches the gospel and message of Jesus Christ. You can look on Google, social media, and even ask your friends for recommendations. Also, there may have been some things said in this episode that may have triggered some bad memories and bad feelings. If this is the case, please seek a licensed therapist to talk them out. As it says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. You can go through your healthcare provider, Google, or ask friends who have received therapy for recommendations. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Power Forgiveness Podcast. If you like this podcast, please share this with other people. You never know what they're going through, and the episode you just listened to may help them. I also wanted to let you know the Power Forgiveness is on Instagram. That link is in the show notes. You can also leave me a voice message on Anchor. I would love to hear from you. Imagine what it would be like to no longer hold anger in your heart and forgive the people who have hurt you. 
Imagine finding the career that you were meant to have. Well, that's what coaching can do for you. At Breakthrough Coaching, we connect with people who want to break through the wall that keeps them from forgiving someone that has hurt them and finding the career they have always dreamed of. If you or anyone you know wants to break through the wall that is stopping you from these goals, schedule a session with us. That link is in the show notes below. We would love to help and see you thrive and achieve the goals that you have. I want you all to have an amazing week. And remember that forgiveness is not letting what that person or people said or did to you affect you, your spirit, your future, or where you're going in life. And that's not an excuse for or enabling someone's behavior, but not letting what that person or people did hold you back or keep you from being or grabbing all that God wants you to be or has for you. Have a good one.